0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for Nigel. We pray your blessing upon him now as he brings your word to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Jenny. It's good to be here. Let's say it again. Christ is risen. Are you sure? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Wonderful. Today is Easter Sunday. I was listening to Radio 4, the religious broadcasting program, this morning, and they had a feature uh, about uh, AI and robots, and uh, particularly in rural areas, they're struggling to get enough vicars to go around all the churches, so they're planning to replace some of those vicars with robots. It's a very good program this morning on Radio 4, and I was beginning to wonder, is there any other significance in today? because today is also April the 1st, but, but the story was really, really convincing. You know, you, you, you say the same things and you can learn it, and you can program them, so I'm not sure whether that was April the 1st or whether that's a new plan for the Anglican Church, so watch out for robot vicars. I came out of the house this morning with a little bit of trepidation because a few years ago, when Sam and Luke were very young. Uh, it wasn't a Sunday morning, it was a Tuesday morning. And uh, I went to get in the car, and my entire car was wrapped in cling film. The whole thing. And uh, it, it was quite a sight to behold. And it—you know I thought, what on earth is going on here? Um, and then I realized that I worked with two younger colleagues and uh, for some reason, although most weeks they found it really hard to get into the office at half nine, they were probably up about five o'clock in the morning <laughs> wrapping my car in cling film. The, the one advantage was it's, it's quite easy to pull off. So, and it, it wasn't wrapped today. I, was, I don't know whether I was pleased or disappointed at that. <laughs> Not, hang on. You can still play an April Fool's joke for 40 minutes. <laughs> But I don't think Sam's got enough cling film with him today, so uh, never mind. Usually on April Fool's Day, what I've done before in church is to, to say there's some chocolate under some of the seats. Look, you might be the lucky one. I get people kind of going under the seats, crawling on the floor. And while they're doing that, I project up there, happy April the 1st. But I thought, this is Easter Sunday. We've got to be serious. We can't do that today. But that will be cruel, because there's never any chocolate, so I get booed at and hissed. But today, uh, there are some chocolates and sweets, because uh, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and there are prizes, so reversing what normally happens on April Fool's Day. So Easter Sunday, the question I've got first is, how do they decide the date of Easter? Anyone who put the next slide up, oh, you got it there, not the next one, that one to do. How do they decide the date? of Easter. You you can't, if you can read the screen over there, you can't answer. It's not on the screen, okay. Eleanor is based on the lunar calendar, needs to be a bit more than that. How do they decide? Everyone's complaining about Easter and when it is. How do they? Moss, do you agree with that? You agree with that? Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded good. Put the next slide up. And there we go, John Moss and John. There we go. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. So now you know. You've always been wondering, how do they decide this ridiculous date? Why isn't it the same time every year? And it can be any time between March the 22nd and April the 25th. So Easter, Easter, what's it all about and there's a few images there, spring images, bunnies, daffodils, chocolate. We haven't, we haven't handed out daffodils or given you all chocolate or whatever. But what's, the, what's Easter all about? I've got another question. And the next question is the next slide. Who is this man? Any hands up? Yes, Steve. Arno, Arnaud. Arnaud Beltram. You're absolutely right. Have some jelly babies. Mind your heads over there. And what's he known for? For his bravery, for changing places with a hostage. Uh, Not Friday, just gone, but the previous Friday, March 24th, a terrorist went into a supermarket in the village of Treb in France, shot two people, took some hostages. The police negotiated with him. They negotiated the release of most of the hostages, but the terrorist kept one woman back. As a human shield. And then they negotiated further, and Arno volunteered to take her place. And after a few hours' standoff, he was killed by the terrorists. He was stabbed and shot, Uh, but the woman lived and the woman went free. A wonderful sacrifice. And uh, Arno became a Christian in his 30s. He was 44, 43, 44 when he died. At Ten days ago, he became a Christian in his thirties, and uh, what he did is a wonderful picture of what the Lord Jesus did for us. It reminds us of Good Friday. It reminds us of Christ on the cross. And Jesus said this, and it's been quoted in Arno's funeral: John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends and just like Arno laid down his life for that woman Jesus was our substitute he went to the cross and he laid down his life for you and for me it says in Romans 5 8 God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us he didn't just lay down his life for one of us Christ died for the whole of humanity. He's the perfect sacrifice, the one substitute. Our sins deserved death. But Christ died our death on the cross and releases new life to us if we put our faith in him. So it's a bit of a taste of Easter. That's Good Friday. Moving on. Next picture. Donald Trump. Donald Trump went to Israel and he was just outside Jerusalem, and he had a heart attack and died. And the American ambassador wondered, what do I do with the body? And he spoke to the Israeli authorities, and they said, well, you could bury him here for $2,000, or you could repatriate the body for $100,000 back to the States. And the ambassador thought about it and said, we'll repatriate the body. And the Israeli uh, government officials said it's only two thousand dollars to bury him here it's a hundred thousand dollars to repatriate him and the american ambassador said well there was a man that died just outside jerusalem and they buried him and on the third day he rose again and i'm just not prepared to take that (laughs) risk And the reason there's a picture of Food Bank there is Kathy from Food Bank uh, donated that through me to you for this Sunday. She doesn't know the Lord yet, but that's her favorite joke of the season. Uh, she's not in that picture. That's, that's actually Luke's dad, uh, who's doing some wonderful work in the Food Bank there. But that, that moves us on to from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, that Easter is about resurrection, It's about the significance of Jesus' death on the cross. But today, we're celebrating the significance of his resurrection and his life. And Easter Sunday is the greatest miracle, the greatest day in history. He is risen. And it's an enormous source of hope and joy. Some people on Good Friday try and get into the, the, the torture and pain of the cross the desolation that Jesus felt for us. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And the pain of these followers grieving that uh, their friends, their leader had died. Their expectations had been trashed, seemingly. And then it's met on Easter Sunday morning with the joy and the amazement and the initial disbelief. But then the growing reality that he is alive. He Has risen. And it's a great reversal. Death into life, despair into renewed hope, sadness into joy, mourning into dancing, lostness into salvation that God gives, hopelessness into purpose. It's the greatest miracle. It's the greatest wonder, and it's a great reversal of pain and suffering and alienation into joy and hope and love, and that's the message of Easter Sunday that we're celebrating today, and we're meeting on a Sunday. Why? People used to meet on the Sabbath, the Sabbath's Friday evening to Saturday evening. Why are we meeting on a Sunday? Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose on the first day of the week, and the early Christians thought, let's not Just meet on the Sabbath. Let's meet on the first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday. And we're still doing that 2,000 years later. And we're meeting here today. Now, there's four Gospels. You know that? Who knows what the four Gospels... Anyone under 10 know the names of the four Gospels? They're all out, aren't they? Anyone under 13? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There you go. (laughs) Sam is a... a chocolate magnet. And uh, he's hoping to get up here alive. I'm not sure he will if you eat Becky's chocolates. <laughs> but he is doing. He's a man that likes taking risks. And he is eating those chocolates. All four Gospels talk about uh, the story of the resurrection. We're going to look briefly now in the remaining time at Matthew's account. And um, I suppose my question is, who was the first witness of the empty tomb in all four of the Gospels who was the first witness Mary, Mary who Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. there you go that's a picture from the new movie of her life I've run out, of, run out of sweets, run out of incentives what do you know about Mary Magdalene I think she was from Magdala I don't know if Migdal and Magdala are the same place. Where's Magdala? West coast of the Sea of Galilee. There you go. I don't know who to give these sweets to. We'll save them for the end. (laughs) What was her name? Mary. What's Mary in her spoken language of Aramaic? Miriam or Mariam. That's right. And in Aramaic, um, Magdala, as well as being the, the place can also mean tower or towering. So some people think she, maybe she was a particularly tall woman. Um, or maybe she had a commanding presence. Maybe she was strong in her faith. Some people have even said a bit like a kind of beehive hairdo. Maybe she was towering because she had a really tall hairdo. Or maybe she was a hairdresser. So uh, these are some of the things, thoughts about Mary. Anything else you know about her? This first witness to the resurrection. She was a prostitute, he said. And that comes from, that was affirmed in the church by Pope Gregory in 590s. But it's debated. And the Bible doesn't actually say that she was definitely a prostitute or uh, a reformed, promiscuous woman. You, people infer that. And there's, there's quite a few Marys or Miriams uh, in the New Testament. But the church has taught that she was. But one thing it does say is that she was someone that Jesus cast seven demons out of. And it says in Luke 8, Soon afterwards Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. And along as well came two women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. One of those was Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. Uh, Whether she was a prostitute, and that's how she was demonized, or whether there was lots of other issues and problems in her life, she was someone that had uh, massive problems, but someone that Jesus had healed and delivered and set free. Isn't that wonderful? And she's the first witness to the resurrection. And it's interesting, she's mentioned more times than most of the disciples in the new testament there's more references to her than most of the disciples if you think about it how many times do you hear nathaniel and bartholomew mary magdalene is mentioned more times than most of the apostles and she's most prominent in the story of the crucifixion she's right there at the cross seeing jesus die and give up his life for our sins where were the other disciples Most of them had scarpered, but Mary Magdalene was right there at the cross witnessing her Lord suffering and dying. And it's interesting that when you're with Jesus, when you stick with Jesus in the most dangerous times, in the worst times, in the hardest times, then maybe it's no surprise that you're there with Jesus in the best time and you're the witness, the first witness to the resurrection. She was told to go and tell the other disciples. He's not here. He's alive. He is risen. And maybe when we're tempted to walk away from Jesus or shy away from Jesus, then let's not give in. Let's be a bit like Mary Magdalene. Stay close to him, even in the hard times, even in the dark times, so that we can be a witness of him in the good times. So the first witness to the resurrection was a woman in a man's world, A woman probably with a broken past, the enemy, had got a grip on her life. And it's also an indication that this resurrection story wasn't made up. Because in that culture, women weren't legally allowed to be witnesses. So if you're going to make up this stuff, make up this amazing story about Christ rising from the dead, you would not write that a woman and a few other women were the first witnesses. You would not do that if you were inventing the story because they weren't legally witnesses but in God's mercy and by his grace and because of their love and their persistence they were chosen as the witnesses of the resurrection next slide please who watches this show a few of you seen it would I lie to you do you watch it you get three contestants and they pick up these cards and they have to read out a little story And they haven't seen them before. They have to have their wits about them. And two of the stories are lies, and one is the truth. And the other panel have to guess which one is the true story, if you've ever seen the show. And uh, sometimes the most unlikely story is actually the true one. And the other contestants get a few minutes to question and probe the stories and find out what is truth and what is a lie. And that's relevant to the story, again, of Jesus' resurrection. And I want to look at three things briefly, and then we'll finish. And one is the missing body. How do we understand that the grave was empty, the body was missing? The second is meeting the Lord. And then finally, and very briefly, a mission to accomplish. So the missing body, let's let's read this out together. As the women were on their way some of the guards went in that's a story that was invented at the time there's a big issue there's a big issue in the narrative here there's a big issue in life there's a big issue in history either jesus did rise from the dead it is true and that's why the tomb was empty and no body has ever been found or something else happened And we can look at that, we can think about that, we can examine the evidence for that. And some people believe that there's no such thing as a miracle, there's no spiritual side in life, there's nothing uh, to do with the supernatural, so they can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. But if they can't, if you can't believe that there's something supernatural, then what's an explanation? How does it stack up? We need to make up our minds. There is a a fantastic event right in the middle of human history. We need to make up your minds. What's truth and what's lies about it? And in this story in Matthew, you can read it up there, uh, the guards were bribed. There was a bribe to Judas to betray Jesus, and uh, the wonderful religious leaders were bribing again to uh, get their, their will done and pretend that the disciples stole the body. So if that's the other story, the disciples stole the body, how is that possible? The disciples were devastated at Jesus' death. At that time, they didn't believe it was possible for a crucified man to rise from the dead. They'd all run away in fear. How on earth would they steal the body? If they did try and steal the body, how did they get past an armed guard? And if the guards were asleep, how did they break the seal, roll away the massive stone, and carry the body away without waking any of them up? (laughs) And where did they put the body? And if they knew they'd done a massive hoax, why were they willing to spend the rest of their lives saying it was true, saying that Jesus has risen, and why were they willing to lay down their lives in martyrdom an execution. If they know, if they knew it was a hoax, how come none of them cracked under pressure and said it was all a lie? I'll tell you where the body is. None of them did. It's a story, and it doesn't really stack up. And if you were on that panel in Would I Lie to You, I hope you'd you'd see that. And you know, when stories are, are lies, they have a way of breaking down under examination. And if you imagine that the, the guards were being questioned and uh, it was said to them so you fell asleep and they said yep Uh, so you knew that you were on duty and you knew if you fell asleep you could be put in prison or executed but you still fell asleep yep Uh, and when there was an earthquake and the massive stone was rolled away you didn't wake up yep why not Uh, we was in a very deep sleep Well, so who took the body then? Ah, the disciples took the body. So you're in such a deep sleep. How do you know that? And it just falls apart like a lie, like an invented story. And every other story people have tried to impose on this amazing event falls apart. Other stories are Jesus just swooned on the cross. And then in the cool of the tomb, he wakes up and he moves the massive stone himself. How many of you seen that that film, The Passion of the Christ? You probably should see it once. It's so gory. The reality of the crucifixion was a bit like that, only even worse. Can you imagine going through that and having the strength just to pop up and move this three-ton stone? Doesn't really stack up. Other people said tomb robbers stole the body. Well, I know there's a phrase that says thick as thieves, but there's thousands of tombs. Why would you go to the only one with an armed guard all around it? Thieves aren't that thick. The authorities stole the body is another one of the stories. But why didn't they wait for the disciples to go around Jerusalem to say, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And then a few days later, the authorities say, ha-ha, we stole the body, here it is. They didn't, and they couldn't, because there was no body to steal Jesus had risen from the grave. No dead body has ever been found because Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive forevermore. You say, how can you know for sure? I've done jury service. Anyone done jury service? And we went into our little room and one of the other jurors said, we can't possibly convict the man because we don't know 100%. And we were just like, this, this guy kind of knocked someone over with his car. You can't let him get off. We can't know 100% because we weren't there. But it's beyond reasonable doubt. We've got a responsibility to decide for this woman that's been run over. You can't just say we weren't there, we don't know 100%, therefore we can't do anything. And it's like that with this. It's beyond reasonable doubt the reality that Christ rose from the dead moving on more quickly so there's the missing body and then there's meeting the lord let's read this out together so the women so mary and the other disciple and the other women didn't just realize the tomb was empty and jesus had gone they actually met jesus personally And it's a very kind of natural, supernatural encounter. It says that that he said greetings to them. And that's the the normal word of greeting in that culture. So for us, it would be like, hello, hi. He's just risen from the dead. He says, hi. Jesus is very naturally supernatural. There's no kind of razzmatazz. The greatest day in history, but a very ordinary greeting. And they were convinced by the empty tomb And they were convinced by having a personal encounter with Jesus themselves. And that's what we can all have. And that's what we all need. You look at the evidence, but you need to meet the Lord and have a personal encounter with him. And that's the offer that God's made ever since this time. You can know Jesus. You can invite him into your life. He can make all the difference. And it almost certainly won't be an amazing razzmatazz... When I asked Jesus into my life, I wasn't expecting. I was, I was kind of expecting, kind of a light to appear, or if I went into a kind of darkened room, an angel would appear and a flash of light. None of that happened, but I just knew that God had done something inside my heart. He was real, and I met Him and I knew Him. There's a very ordinary supernatural encounter of the women and Jesus. They met the Lord. And we can meet the Lord, we can meet him today. No fireworks, maybe no amazing supernatural signs and wonders, but a spiritual reality that touches your heart and life, that gives you the new life that Jesus came to die and to rise again, to minister to us. You can receive that today. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life one who believes in me will live even though he die there's life and there's life eternal and resurrection life in jesus john twenty twenty nine. jesus says to uh, thomas because you've seen me you've believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed And we're not going to see physically with our physical eyes Jesus probably this week, today. But if you believe in your heart, the basis of the evidence, you have a real spiritual encounter and meeting with Jesus, then life will never be the same again. Eternal life will start for you. And it can start right here. It can start today. And then finally, there's a mission to accomplish. Let's read this last bit. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. It's a mission to accomplish. A lot of people are bored. How many are bored? A lot of people don't know what to do with their lives. I think I'm finding that more and more. I just don't know what to do with my life. Whatever you do in work or other things, there's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. If you give your heart and life to Jesus, if you believe that he rose again, if you meet him in your heart in a spiritual and supernatural way then there's stuff to do for the rest of your life you'll never be bored, there's always things to do in the kingdom of God making Jesus known, showing his love, doing acts of kindness and service, reflecting who Jesus is, it's enough to keep you busy for more than a lifetime so that the reality of the missing body You've got to think, you've got to weigh up the evidence. The opportunity to meet the Lord and the wonderful opportunity of a lifetime, a mission to accomplish. So finishing up, this is my resurrection day. There's a wonderful song by Ren Collective. I was going to play it, but uh, we're a bit out of time. We haven't got everything set up. How does the resurrection apply to us today? It applies in death and it applies in our lives as well, firstly, in death again that 's uh, the the French policeman there in that coffin many years ago uh, my brother in law John uh, died of cancer when he was thirty two and I think it 's probably the only time that i 've been a pall bearer, uh, so I remember standing behind the hearse and we were going to go into church for the funeral service and I was one of the people where the coffin went up on my shoulders and just as that was happening it was almost in an audible voice I could hear in my head and it was him in his voice and just the words I'm not in there I'm not in there I'm not in that coffin I'm not in that box I'm with the Lord in the heavenly realm he had died but he was alive together with Christ in the heavenly realm. And so resurrection is really, really crucial because we have the hope of life eternal and that hope's guaranteed on Easter day by the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know about you, I don't just want to pop my clogs, end off. I believe there's a new heaven and a new earth and a life to come. And I can be part of it if I give my life to Jesus and believe in him. Uh, Some people went to a humanist funeral. It was all very kind of nice, but it felt empty, they said to me afterwards. And they had a nice little poem about uh, the tree of humanity. So there's like a tree of humanity in this poem, and we're all little leaves on the tree of humanity. And when you die, your leaf drops off, you go into the ground, but you're, you're some kind of compost to keep the tree going of humanity. And uh, Chris Wise, who many of you know, said uh, this to me afterwards. My destiny isn't just to be a tiny scrap of compost for the tree of humanity. My destiny is to live forever because of Jesus, my Lord. That's a nice humanist way. It might be a nice little poem about a tree of humanity. But there's more. In death there's life and life eternal and we find that through Jesus and in life today we can also uh, meet the spirit of resurrection in our lives becoming a Christian for example to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God and you're dead spiritually you're alive but spiritually you're dead But when you put your faith in Jesus, you come alive. It's a bit like resurrection life within you. And it's a wonderful thing. And you can know that and experience that today. We pray a lot in our prayer meetings at church. One of the things we've been praying for this year is jobs for people. And uh, there was a a guy who hadn't had the kind of work he really wanted for two and a quarter years. And we pray and pray and pray. But then... He came to that point of getting that job opportunity this year, which is going to start happening later this month. And so you can see real turnarounds, resurrection turnarounds in situations in life, in jobs. I've seen miracles of healing people uh, in pain and suffering and their situations turned around by the resurrection life of God. You can meet him. And in relationships as well. A lot of relationships go wrong. As you know, there's a lot of pain. I remember my friend saying uh, she was sure her sister and her husband were going to split up. That was it. They tried everything and it failed. And then she went to the marriage course, Holy Trinity, Brompton, uh, and this couple that seemingly would never get back together and it wouldn't work. On that course, things turned around. So whether it's coming to faith whether it's getting a job whether it's receiving healing whether it's getting relationships restored there's resurrection life and hope with jesus if uh, and i got married on easter saturday and uh, i remember the preacher talking about the easter story in the wedding and he said there's some good times but then there can be really bad times And uh, not necessarily today, but in the future, you'll find times where there's going to be like a deadness between you. But through those Saturday bad times can come resurrection, life, and hope. And we're still going 32 years later as of last week. So something (laughs) must have uh, happened there, The resurrection life that comes in Jesus. So apply it to your lives today. It's it's your future hope for life beyond the grave. But you can see a real turnaround in your life. You can have real, spiritual, eternal life in your soul today. And you can see turnarounds in all sorts of other situations. And uh, when we've been praying for people recently, this final slide, the the words uh, spoken a lot to me. The darkest hour is just before dawn. And maybe you feel your situation's hopeless or you can't believe in the Lord or it really won't happen for you. Often the darkest hour is just before dawn and the dawn rose on Easter Sunday morning and they realized the Lord was alive and they could have new life. If you do want to explore these things further, we're going to finish and sing uh, now, but do come along to our Alpha course starting in a couple of weeks or so time. If you want to take this further and find out more, I'd really, really recommend Alpha to you. There's cards on the seats. There's cards at the back. And uh, go out and bring a friend with you. That'll be even better. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that uh, the light dawned on that first Easter Sunday and everything changed. There was new life. There was new hope. The pain of suffering and death was forgotten and new life had risen up from the grave. Thank you, Jesus. You've beaten the power of death and hell. Thank you. You work in our lives and give us new life and the hope of life eternal. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.